0: So, one of the virtues I think memento mori helps us cultivate the most is confidence or courage. There's a few reasons for this. I hope to explain a couple in this short lecture. I want to start off with what can this five-century-old drawing teach you? Everything that matters. The article by Ryan Holiday that I share with all of you, that's a discussion of a painting that features a skeleton-smiling pointing a crossbow at the viewer with an hourglass by its feet and a brief poem to its left. So let's read that poem first and see what it offers. And we're going to start making some connections here to Aristotle on confidence. We have a great definition of confidence provided in the Handbook for New Stoics, once again, by Massimo Pagliucci and Gregory Lopez. So we'll get to those two. But first, let's talk about this uh, this poem that is featured on this drawing. So the first part is death to emperor. Emperor, your sword won't help you out. Scepter and crown are worthless here. I've taken you by the hand, for you must come to my dance. Then the peasant to death. I had to work very much and very hard. The sweat was running down my skin. I'd like to escape death nonetheless, but here I won't have any luck. Who was the fool? Who was the wise man? Who was the beggar or the emperor? Whether rich or poor, all are equal in death. This poem immediately made me think of one of my favorite memento mori mantras, which is that at the end of the game, the pawn and the king go in the same box. One of the essays I'm going to ask you to examine comes from the school of life. And I think it's a great short essay on confidence. A large part of what the essay examines are the concepts of narrative, right? So we have narratives that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Many of which we could say, even right now, I'd imagine if we thought about this, right? Came from elsewhere. Some of our confidence also might come from the way we compare ourselves to others. Our confidence might be damaged from that comparison. This is super relevant for the social media age, right? We're constantly we're constantly able to compare ourselves to others. And a lot of times that might make us feel good. And then a lot of times that might make us feel bad, which is to say it either improves or damages our confidence. Now, what this poem offers, I think, and what that saying of the king and the pawn offers is that we all end up in the same place. That's the basic, you know, sort of point here. What that really means, I think, also when we unpack it is there there will be times and places in life where you feel like a king and others where you feel like a pawn. Right? There will be times in life where you have a lot of power and others when you don't. There will be relationships in life where sometimes you know more than the other person and other times they know more than you. So what should we do? Well, we should cultivate virtue. We should practice philosophy as the art of living, and we should practice the mori to remind ourselves to be courageous because courage for Aristotle exists in the middle. Aristotle was obsessed with balance, and he believed all virtues existed in the middle. He would call it the golden mean. So courage exists between cowardliness, or being a coward, and on the other end of the spectrum, the opposite side, being arrogant. So if you know at the end of the day, all these contexts, times, places, relationships, new ones, old ones, they'll shift. And again, at times you'll feel like royalty, and other times you won't. At times you'll feel, again, like the king or the queen, and other times you might feel like a pawn or whatever, right? Which is simply to say, really, be humble and be confident, because humility and confidence are next to each other. They're both virtues. These are interesting little relationships, right? Because we think fear is the opposite of confidence. Not necessarily. Confidence is a certain relationship to fear. Confidence is the ability to engage fear. One of the readings we're going to examine uh, with our questions and our responses is Aristotle, when he discusses confidence, when he discusses courage. Right, And he's like, this is, there's, some, there's some complexity here. Sometimes people look confident or courageous, but they just don't know. They're ignorant. Think about our four virtues. If you lack wisdom, you don't know what the hell's going on, and you just take action. That doesn't really make you confident. So in order to be co- courageous, to be confident, you kind of need some wisdom. Right? So ultimately, what we have to be careful of is thinking too highly of ourselves. And we also have to, be too, we have to be careful of thinking too little of ourselves. This poem and that saying about kings and pawns and memento mori grounds us in that type of courage the courage to realize that we are one with others. And that at times we'll have the knowledge, we'll have the power, and other times we won't. And in both of those scenarios, we have to pursue virtue. We have to avoid arrogance. We have to avoid feelings of excessive self-deprecation or feelings of powerlessness. And we have to instead embrace the golden mean, as Aristotle would say. And this will change with different contexts. Once again, Massimo Pagliucci and Gregory Lopez really nicely define courage. Super simple, but it's powerful. They say courage, proficiency in acting well, despite fear or aversion to externals. So I would say Right, this is a really great starting point for a definition of confidence. Um, because I think also courage or confidence, I'm using them a little bit interchangeably here, also could be a very internal game. Sometimes you have to stand up to yourself, sometimes you have to act well, in you know, let's say, in spite of or despite of fears that you're just making for yourself. So, I think that's a little bit of that internal external game that the Stoics. Um, valued so much, right? For the Stoics, again, you had to be in society, you had to serve society, you had to treat others justly. And you also had to, or not had to, right? But they also encouraged you to try to lead a peaceful life. Your inner life for the Stoics really matters, right? So I want to add that a little bit here. But also I like how courage for them in this definition is grounded in action. And again, I think that could also be in reference to the self and also in reference to the self in the world, Right, So, it's not proficiency in acting in a way that's ignorant of fear. You know there's something to fear, maybe. You know there's an external, perhaps, or again, an internal that you're afraid of. But you act well, and to act well for the Stoics might, in this case, simply mean to act with the other virtues, right? To differentiate between what's truly good and bad. That's how Pellucci and Lopez define practical wisdom. So if we're going to figure out if something's to be feared, we have to be able to know whether or not it's fearful. And that's a beautiful moment with our internal dialogue when we realize, you know what, there's nothing to fear here. I'm just making this shit up. And then we could take action, again, that might only affect us seemingly, or of course action that will affect others positively. Okay, justice too, the capacity to treat people fairly and kindly. If you're leading a life characterized by irrational, unhelpful, untruthful fear, you're not doing Yourself, justice You're treating yourself unfairly. And of course, it takes courage at times to also treat others fairly and kindly. I think about one idea that just comes to mind immediately is when you stand up for a friend, or even when you stand up for a stranger. There's kindness there. And you have to cultivate the capacity to, again, connecting to wisdom, see that there's an injustice. And then you have to be courageous to stand up. So all these Virtues really work together very nicely, right? And then temperance too. Skill in reducing desire for external things that aren't in your complete control. To reduce desire, that's to deal with the passions, right? Aristotle talks about how a courageous person isn't just acting only out of passion. We, I would say we could maybe use passion, but if we don't control our passions, right? We can't say we're acting with practical wisdom, We control our passions. They don't control us. And we might say that passions are emotions that rise up in us that could be damaging. So we have to be able to reduce those through wisdom. Through, again, maybe even being internally courageous. So ultimately, right, we combine all these virtues for a moment. And we're grounded in both humility and confidence when we are reminded of our own mortality and We remind ourselves of the mortality of everyone around us. Although this person, and this is a great part of the On Confidence essay from the School of Life, although a person may seem to be so wealthy and have all this power and all this status, we have to remind ourselves to not be intimidated. We have to remind ourselves to still address ourselves and them virtuously. And we also have to keep in mind that they've messed up too. They aren't just, you know, they're just not talking about it. We don't see anybody's first drafts, is a great point from that essay. To understand that is to, I think, embody practical wisdom in a slightly different way than what uh, Pagliucci and Lopez may be defining here. But I think the ability to, to differentiate is also just it's, its own thing. Between what's truly good and bad is important and between what's true and false is very important. And maybe, I think, another point I want to add here is from Epictetus that not only do we have to differentiate between what is true, differentiate between what Epictetus calls petty truths or small truths and important truths. And that takes some serious courage because it's easy to cling to something that's true and treat it as if it's an important truth and allow that truth to kind of, let's say, like bark orders at you. How many small truths affect your confidence? How many small truths do you allow to feel like they're large truths and that impacts The way you respond to externals, the way you respond to fear, the proficiency in acting. We get so hung up on the small things in life, right? We let the perfect become the enemy of the good because we get caught up on the, on the perhaps the truthful fact that something's wrong and we don't take action. Not anymore. Epictetus is saying you have to not only know what's true and false, but you have to know what's important and true and what's not so important and still true. So again, look at that essay by Ryan Holiday. We'll also read some Aristotle for this, for, this, uh, for this section. And let's work on how memento mori can bring us into confidence. Again, memento mori not only means I will die, but it means we have to understand that everyone is mortal. That actually create an opportunity to see ourselves as connected with others, which is very important. And also, again, as I hope to have highlighted in this brief lecture, We have to keep context in mind, and we always have to keep our eye on virtue. For Aristotle, to go with uh, Pagliucci and Lopez, right, nobility is what we should strive for. That's what acting well is. To aim at the good, to aim at these virtues in the face of fear, that is to be courageous. And when we realize that we're all going to the same place, and we realize that we're all flawed, we can start telling ourselves, healthier stories about ourselves that are more truthful and more helpful and pull us forward towards confidence.